The psalmist David is so accomplished at expressing many varied human emotions. And he also continues to stand fast in the hope that God gives him through his faith. So hear now some of the words of the psalmist. I am utterly spent and crushed. I groan because of the tumult of my heart. O Lord, all my longing is known to you. My sighing is not hidden from you. My heart throbs, my strength fails me. As for the light of my eyes, it is also gone from me. My friends and companions stand aloof from my affliction, and my neighbors stand far off. But it is for you, O Lord, that I wait. It is you, O Lord my God, who will answer. They set a new net for my steps. My soul was bowed down. They dug a pit in my path. But they have fallen into it themselves. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and make melody. Awake, my soul. Awake, O harp and lyre. I will awake the dawn. I will give Thanks to you, O Lord, among the peoples. I will sing praises to you among the nations. For your steadfast love is as high as the heavens. Your faithfulness extends to the clouds. Be exalted, O God, above all the heavens. And let your glory be over all of the earth. Holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Now I invite Christy to come forward and give us her message. Good morning. I ask just to close your eyes for a second and pray with me. Dear God, I ask that you be with me and give me courage and discernment with the words that I speak today. And be with all of us gathered here together in this room to have open hearts, to have ears that listen and to think about the ways that we can innovate in your name. In Jesus' name, amen. Imagine that, like the young woman in this photo, that you are standing at a doorway on the brink of something amazing. So you have your whole life in front of you. I think this is something that we can all relate to. We're on the brink of something great. We're feeling healthy and vibrant. We're excited about the future. This girl is just that way. And then imagine that something terrible happens. So this young woman is a fistula patient in Ethiopia. Some of you have heard me speak about fistula before, so we'll, we'll talk about a little of background today. Obstetric fistula is a childbirth injury, and it's caused by prolonged obstructed labor. Here, if the baby gets stuck when you are giving birth, they give you a C-section, and everyone's fine. The baby's healthy, you're healthy, you get to go home from the hospital, and things go really well. But in other places of the world, this isn't the case. Um, if the baby gets stuck, the baby gets stuck, 
Oftentimes, the mother dies. If she doesn't die, she she's left in a really bad state. So... Women that have suffered from obstetric fistula are left incontinent, depending on where the hole is, if it's front or back. She's left incontinent with urine or feces or both. So consequently, you can see, like the woman here, she's sitting on the side of the road. She's just rejected. What I want you to think about is we're social creatures. Not just in Africa, but here we are social creatures. We talk together, we sing together, we play together, we work together. We do three things in community with one another. These women here are preparing for a wedding celebration. They're preparing feast food. They're cooking together, spending days making food. If you're a fistula patient, you are no longer invited to scenes like this. You would not be allowed to touch food. You would not be allowed to come to the wedding. You would not be allowed to be any place where other people are. You're left in isolation. What I think is a really important point is we hear about physical tragedies like, well, like fistula, and we think this is just the physical part, right? But it's so much more than that. There's this social component, this emotional component, living with other people. When that's taken away, it's tragic. So we're going back to the idea of starting out with a fresh start. This young couple is like many other couples in Ethiopia. And let's say that they married for love, which doesn't always happen. Frequently, marriages are arranged for other reasons entirely. But let's give this couple the benefit of the doubt and say that they married for love, that they found someone, they're starting out together in a communing state. Life is difficult, 95% of people in Ethiopia are subsistence farmers, but it's a lovely place. Um, We've seen the pictures from the 80s of the famine and lots of people starving to death. There were so many people that died in the 80s, and while that's still true, today Ethiopia, in many regards, is a much more hopeful place. It has the largest GNP of any place in Africa, It has 85% of Africa's hydroelectric power. It has really good things going for it. So if you imagine that you're one of this couple, you can see on the right there's a man who's plowing with some oxen. So men are working out in the fields. Women are carrying water. Women are carrying bricks. They're cooking food. They're bearing children. They're doing lots of work. Both men and women work really hard. And maybe this is where you live. These are typical homes. These are mud and stick huts. This is a a village where I spent some time. Melison, who's a fistula patient, lives in the hut that's right in front. This hut needs redoing. Uh, It has some holes in it, so we're trying to get her some animals for an income generation project. But her hut needs fixing so that hyenas don't come in and eat the animals. So there's different levels of ways going about trying to help. But imagine that you live here, and now imagine that you're pregnant. And it comes time to give birth, and this is where you are delivering your baby. In Ethiopia, only one in ten women give birth with any kind of trained birth attendant. So usually... 
It's just who's ever there. There's lots and lots of stories of women giving birth alone without anybody there at all. But you're giving birth here in a mud hut. This is hard enough if you're healthy and strong and everything goes right. But now imagine that it doesn't go right. Imagine that you are in labor for one day, three days, five days, seven days, 14 days, and the baby is stuck and it's not coming out. So I've spent time with women who have such stories. Typically, the baby dies within 48 hours of grinding its head on the pelvis, right? It doesn't go well. It doesn't go well. Part of the reason why things don't go well is the roads, if they even exist, look like this. They're mud roads. And even if the women could get to a doctor, there's not ambulances like we have Um, An ambulance would be someone being carried on a stretcher. But typically, women in childbirth, they might not even get around to thinking anything is wrong for three or four days when they start to say, oh, okay, things aren't going well. And then it's too late. So if you end up incontinent and you're leaking, what's the result of that? People react like this. People turn away. People don't want to smell you. And people who used to be your friends and used to be your neighbors and used to be your family suddenly don't want anything to do with you. So think about that for just a second. Think about your own life. And I would ask you the question... Is there anything that you could do physically or emotionally? Is there anything that you could say that would turn the people that you love most on this earth against you? Is there anything that you could do so that the people sitting here in this congregation who you see every week would just walk away from you? I'll just let that sit. This is a woman who was one of the lucky ones that was brought to the capital of Ethiopia, which is a city called Addis Ababa, and there's a fistula hospital here. So she's one of the lucky ones that was able to be brought here. Sometimes, most times, if a woman is lucky enough to come to the hospital, a repair surgery is possible. So hear that again. That's really good news. Most of the time, if a woman can get to the hospital, a repair surgery is possible. And the other side of that coin is it's not always possible. And my heart, and what I've been working really hard on the last three or four years, is working specifically with the women for whom the surgery didn't work. So Hamlin Fistula Hospital, Linda's been there. It's a lovely place. It has tropical flowers and pathways and doctors from all over the world. They do really good work trying to make women's lives better. And then there are the women where the surgery doesn't work. So what happens to them? Many of you know the first part of the story, which is in 2010, I went to Ethiopia for the first time as a photographer with 11 other professional photographers to do a segment on women's reproductive health and specifically obstetric fistula in Ethiopia. I thought I was just going as a photographer. 
And God always has other plans. So today what I want to talk to you about is innovation, and specifically innovation of the heart. And what does this mean? I think the greatest fallacy is that we tend to think that someone who's innovative or creative is off doing this amazing, unique thing. And I can't tell you how often it is that I hear people say, I'm not musical, I'm not creative, I don't have any talent, I don't know what I could possibly do that would make a difference. And the thing that's amazing is it starts with what you have right where you are. The thing about innovation is innovation is doing the thing that you would do anyway. It's the thing that you do naturally, so naturally, in fact, that you don't even think about it. So all of the work that has been done, the last, I just came back from my fourth trip, all of these trips to Ethiopia just unfolded because of me showing up and doing what I do. That first trip, the medium was photography. And on that first trip, I heard the story, many of you have heard this story, about a 22-year-old young woman named Ajaibi who had had this horrific childbirth experience, ended up with fistula. Her husband left, her family left, her neighbors left, her community left. And this young woman was so devastated that she hung herself from a tree. So if you close your eyes and think, just it's a really biblical image, this person hanging from a rope from a tree. I heard that story on that first trip and was completely wrecked by it. Partly because it's freakishly common as a story in Ethiopia. Unfortunately, it's not unique but also because just being a woman of childbearing age, this is not okay. This is not okay that this is happening around the planet. So on that trip, I met, heard the story of Ajaibi. On that trip, I met an engineer who built these hydropowered grinding mills that grind grain. And we started talking, and I said to him, is it possible to build such a mill to benefit the patients like this? And he said, no one's ever done that. Let's see. So the rest, you know the rest of the story, part one of the story. Because of that conversation and because of hugely generous support, particularly from this congregation, we have a mill. So that was the first and second trip. It was the mill, right? Some of you have seen some of these pictures. This is the outside of the mill, This is made with local materials. This is designed, manufactured, built, and run, all by Ethiopians. This is a really important point, creating something that local people are proud of and have skin in the game. This is the inside of the mill. The upper Chandi River is diverted, comes through, turns this conveyor belt, Women on the left-hand side pour their grain into that blue funnel, and it comes out as flour on the other end. So you could say, okay, maybe that's innovative. Maybe that's a new way of helping fistula patients. The proceeds from this mill are meant to help the fistula patients. But that's just the first part of the story. These are some of the women, the ones in black that used the mill, 
who no longer have to do this pounding, pounding, pounding to grind the grain by hand. Further conversations. What about the income generation projects? What about Ajaibi? So most of you know as well that the good news is Ajaibi did not die hanging on that tree, that she was rescued and brought down. And she was the very first woman to receive an income generation project. These are her sheep. On this last trip, we hiked out a couple of miles, a couple of hours. In the rain, Ajaibi was barefoot, went out to her hut, went out to her village to see her animals, and I can't begin to tell you what a difference this is making in her life. Having something of her own, it's amazing. It's amazing. But back to innovation for a second. I talked about the innovation is the thing that you do naturally. Part of what happened on this past trip, I was at a guest house my first couple of days, and there was a, a gentleman there. We didn't know each other. We sat down. We started talking. I told him about Ajaibi and about the mill and about the fistula patients and all of these things. I was just very excited about this and very passionate about helping this population. I don't know who this man is, right? So I finished talking, and he sticks out his hand, and he says, Hi, my name is Greg. I work for National Public Radio. Can I record your story? (laughs) So you never know who you're talking to. I was just talking. I didn't know who he was. I wasn't trying to impress him. I was just excited about the thing, right? So by the way, the story will be on NPR next month, so if you happen to hear it. But it's not the medium. The medium started for me, in this case, with photography. Part of it is storytelling. Part of it is conversation. Part of it is coaching and facilitation. But actually, the medium is love. This is what I've really been reflecting on. For any kind of innovation, any kind of heartfelt service, the medium is love. I had a hunch, and something that I've really been thinking about and praying about this past year, part of my other life is I'm a trained coach and facilitator, and one of the things where I have training is on something called circle process. So circle process is literally a special kind of relating where you gather people together in a circle, literally in a circle, and you have some kind of candle or flame in the center And the power is lateral. So rather than the typical leadership model, which is very triangular, where you have one person, you know, sitting in front, standing in front of a microphone, disseminating information out to the masses, circle is everybody gets a voice and everyone is equal. Everyone's stories are important and it's heard. There's typically a talking piece that you would pass around. And when someone is speaking, they are speaking. And it doesn't matter if they speak for 10 seconds or an hour. They have the floor. And I was wondering, is it possible to bring this form to the fistula patients? I have no idea. I thought I would try it. I'm really passionate about doing more things in circle, and particularly with international humanitarian work. 
So we went out to all of these villages and we brought the women back. And I am thrilled and hugely relieved to tell you that they loved it. They loved it. And it's not surprising because you take these women who are shunned, who don't get a voice, and no one asks them their story. No one wants to hear it. No one wants to hear anything they have to say. And you put them in an environment where they can shine and where they can share and where their heart is safe, and you hold that. You can see in this picture, there are these construction paper hearts and butterflies. What you maybe can't see is every person's name is written on that. I have my bells down in the corner, which are from India. Um, But it was amazing. In the beginning, in the morning, when the women were sharing their stories, there was such an outpouring of pain when they told their stories. And just awful, awful, awful. Families not feeding them and throwing rocks at them and just terrible things you don't want to ever hear about. And for a time, I'm thinking, what have I done? I've opened up this wound, these wounds which were so raw and so close to the surface. What if I can't hold this? What if I've broken this apart and it's too big and I can't put it back together? But the thing is that we're not the ones. (laughs) We're not the ones that are supposed to put it back together. God does that. And God is the one that holds our virtual circles in the moment and outside of the moment. And it was such a joy watching these women share fearlessly and to share as well. I was quite intentional on what I, sh- what I shared as well. Some really rough stuff about both when both mom and dad were sick. Some pretty hard stuff, which was important to be part of it as well. That we all carry these wounds. We all have our pain in different ways. It's important to share that in an environment where it's safe and protected so other people can really see you. I think that's a lesson. We can walk around and try and keep it guarded and try not to let anything bump up against the edges. And then what? No one really sees us, and we wonder why we feel isolated. But back to the circle. These women shared just amazing For the good of the order, women were hearing each other's stories and knowing that they weren't alone. They were hugely generous with one another. There was a woman who had her own hut but no animals, and a woman with animals and no hut, and having these interesting conversations on how they could come together, how they could help each other, was amazing. And at the end of the day, this is what happens. You take this group of women who are wallowing in their own tragedy and you stitch them together with some safety and some love and some support and some some possibility for a new way of doing things. And you end up with smiles like that. And Ajaibi, four years later, who was hanging from a tree, now looks like this. What's important, of course, to remember is for all of the people that come after us. There's that quote I like so much that's the secret of being happy is to plant trees 
under whose shade you do not expect to sit. I love that quote. For all of these little ajibes that are running around that hopefully don't have to go through the path that she does. And of course, just to stress this point, it's not just girls. It's not just women. It's the sons and the brothers and the husbands and the uncles and the nephews and everyone else. It's just as important. This idea of connection, this idea of how do we innovate for the sake of service, how do we innovate for God's plan? Again, starting right where you are with what you have, what you do naturally, not trying to think of some amazing far-off thing that we never actually get around to doing, but having the conversations some examples from this congregation. So Linda, Linda and Audra both traveled to Ethiopia with me last year. But Linda said a year ago, I know about rummage sales. What if we had our church rummage sale and the proceeds from the rummage sale go to help pay for plane tickets and help pay for this trip? Amazing. Amazing. So that's what we did last year. Tom Strain is one of the ones that's riding the STP, the Seattle to Portland bike race, next weekend. He called me up a couple of months ago and said, Christy, I'm riding the STP. Could I do this as a fundraiser for your fistula project? Amazing. Amazing. So donations have been coming in from people I've never even met, I've never even heard of, who don't even live anywhere near here. This is the kind of thing of somebody that just doing naturally what they do. I want to leave you with one image. There is Hawa, who you may have seen pictures of previously. Hawa was a 13-year-old, is, was a 13-year-old girl who was raped, and the consequence of that rape was a pregnancy where she ended up having a terrible delivery and ending up with fistula. So I met her three years ago on a trip and was very touched by her story. And Hawa now is one of the ones that has a flock of animals as well. But on this particular trip, I wanted to go out to the villages, partly to take pictures of the animals to be able to share with you, all of you wonderful people, that yes, there's animals, and yes, good things are happening, and yes, things are working the way that they're supposed to be working, to do my due diligence. But the day that we were supposed to go to her village... It was raining, and it got dark, and we were delayed, and we couldn't get there the day, the time we were supposed to get there. So it didn't happen that day. And a few days later, we went out, hiked out to her village, and she wasn't there. And her family said, Oh, Christy, the day that you were supposed to come, she waited for you, and she waited, and she waited. She was home the whole day. She prepared this really special coffee ceremony for you. And you didn't come. So I felt terrible, just terrible. And I was there for 10 days in Begi this time. And you'd think with all of that time that there would be the opportunity to, to connect with this special young woman, and it didn't happen. And I was feeling so badly about this. And the morning that we left, we're in the Jeep, and we're driving away, and we're driving out of Begi town, And I'm thinking, I was literally thinking, okay, God, if this isn't meant to be to see Hawa, then 
Okay? And just then, just, just then, I saw her on the side of the road. There's thousands of people that live around this area, and I saw her. She's by herself. She was wearing the same black outfit, the same long headscarf. And I said, stop the car. It's Hawa. And they look at me, and they said, Christy, are you sure? Blah, blah. And I said, stop the car. It's Hawa. And I ripped open the door, and I went tearing down the road, and she saw me, and she came running towards me. And it was the same, this movie moment of slow motion of these people (laughs) running at each other and we threw our arms around each other and we're just like weeping just so grateful weeping and I'm thinking this is the you know 11th hour the very last opportunity I'm driving away to fly back to the states and I see this girl on the side of the road these are the things these are the things that you do naturally you know it's the people you think about and then they show up the person you think you should call and then you you get an email Just notice. Notice these ways that you show up already in the places you already are sitting. And notice who's there beside you. The final piece I want to read to you is a quote. It's by Mother Teresa. And I'd heard parts of this quote before, but I'd never actually heard this entire full quote, and it really stopped me cold. So I hope that you'll listen. People are often unreasonable and self-centered. Forgive them anyway. If you are kind, people may accuse you of ulterior motives. Be kind anyway. If you are honest, people may cheat you. Be honest anyway. If you find happiness, people may be jealous. Be happy anyway. The good you do today may be forgotten tomorrow. Do good anyway. Give the world the best you have, and it may never be enough. Give your best anyway. For you see, in the end, it is between you and God. It was never between you and them anyway. Amen.